Welcome back to Bread and Butter, where we are serving up the basics for Hearthstone improvement. This is episode 51, Back to Basics. Today, Doc cannot be with us. You probably already know this when I'm the one doing the introduction that Doc isn't here, but he um, had a a family thing he had to deal with. So uh, luckily, we have our favorite returning guest, Dragon Rider. Dragon Rider, how are you this evening? I am doing pretty well, pretty well. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, and she's she's being modest. She's doing okay. She's dealing with some dog-smelling issues right now, and I, I don't know if she's going to survive the podcast. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to be a good dog mom, you know, and like lately I'm like, I feel really bad, and one of our dogs, well, uh, several of our dogs have been getting older, and, you know, I've been reading some things about like dog stomachs and all sorts of stuff, and, you know, some of the tips are like, don't feed your dog only one meal a day. Don't let your dog scarf down their food because they're inhaling a lot of air and that's really bad for their stomachs and all sorts of stuff. So, of course, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we do like all of that. Oh, no. So I, you know, have gone into like panic mode lately and I'm like, I need to like treat them better and like feed them even better. So they have been getting, I mean, they're normal like pebbles and stuff, right? But like they're also getting a little bit of scrambled eggs in the morning and they're getting like some meat and veggies with their dinner and stuff and yeah now they're like we're gonna lay right next to you mom but we're gonna be really gassy so i might have to talk through my hoodie a little bit (laughs) suggestion if you're looking for a healthy treat frozen carrots get carrots throw them in the freezer they work like bones kind of and and my dogs love them Ooh, Um, i actually did just buy some carrots at the store today i'll have to try that very nice, very nice. Um, so what have you been doing inside the game of Hearthstone? Uh, I have been jumping back and forth between, I'll say, not only Standard, but also Battlegrounds, and also been playing more a bit on the Europe and Asia servers again uh, because of the catch-up packs. They're not only for returning players. Catch-up packs are for ed- anybody And that includes, you know, second and third servers. Uh, So because it's based on the collection on each server, I have logged into those other servers. I got a couple of those packs, you know, for logging in. And the event that's been going on uh, is also granting those catch-up packs. So kind of been, been jumping around and just completing dailies and working on, you know, getting through the, the event on the different servers and also playing Battlegrounds. And how's Battlegrounds going? Are you an Anomaly fan or are you ready for them to go? Um, You know, I, I kind of, I really liked the idea and thought it was super fun at the beginning. But as it's gone on longer and longer, I'm definitely like, yeah, I'm just <laughs> kind of ready for, for the next thing in Battlegrounds. Well, funny you should say that. Today we got the announcement of an announcement of an announcement from the Play Hearthstone that just basically said, hey, Changes to Battlegrounds are coming, and we expect that. It's usually about a month after the uh, standard release. It's before the mini set, so it's 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 coming. Um, it's not duos, but it's going to be something interesting. And the way they're setting it up is probably something we haven't seen before. Uh, I believe we are probably we're not going to see a lot of tribes introduced. Maybe like one a year or one every other year or something like that. I think they've kind of maxed the tribes they want to do, but. Um, we'll see what they bring. Um, so in Hearthstone, I have been mostly playing 
uh, standard. I, I've played, I'm still playing Paladin, although the last few days I've stepped away from Paladin. I said I need to diversify, so I've been playing a lot more uh, uh, Reno Shaman, which we will talk about in a little bit, which has been a really fun deck, uh, and just trying to figure out what I want. THL starts up this week, so I need to have my lineup figured out, and I've been working on that. Uh, I've do- been doing really well. I've uh, played... As you guys know, I play a lot of Hearthstone. I've played a lot of games, and I've been around 500 at Legend. So I've managed to... I I fell all the way down to about 10,000 at one point, but I'm probably, I think, around 7,000 right now, and we we typically move in the right direction when I've been playing. Some of it is decay. Some of it is, you know, just you hit some bad streaks. But overall, I'm pretty happy with the way I've been playing this month. Um, But how about outside the game, Dragon Rider? As 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 we're speaking right now, Dragon Rider is doing whatever she can to uh, to save herself from the the onslaught that her pups have. Uh, I don't know, just filled the room with gaseous intent. Uh, what have you been so doing bad. outside of Hearthstone? <laughs> uh, well, besides apparently giving uh, my dogs meals that uh, gas me out. Um, I have been uh, working on kind of, eh, okay, it's still technically outside of Hearthstone, but some of it does relate to Hearthstone, Uh, but I have been putting kind of a big focus towards the end of this year on looking ahead, Um, and I'll definitely, you know, I'm sure on uh, definitely at least the Doctor 3 podcast, if not more, potentially even this one. Uh, we'll talk about kind of like, you know, New Year's goals and setting goals and different things like that. Um, but I've kind of been trying to get a jump start on a lot of that focus on, you know, how do I want to direct my content? What do I want my content, you know, and and kind of brand look like next year? Um, so kind of been doing a lot of like planning, thinking, um, organizing or restructuring of like my schedule, how I approach things, uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, some of it does relate to Hearthstone and like what kind of Hearthstone videos I want to do, all of that. But yeah, that, that's been kind of my big focus uh, as well as some um, Amber Flake Gaming stuff as well. I was just about to ask, what, what's new yes. with Amber Flake Gaming? <laughs> well, can't tell you yet, but big things coming. It's the... <laughs> things again that have been uh in the works for about two months now uh we're kind of finalizing and getting down to the the last bit of uh getting things settled and figured out uh for kind of what we're going to be doing next year but definitely going to be doing a lot more uh next year than we have been so very very excited for for next year both for myself and for ember flight gaming so yeah just uh been a huge focus on that and i'm i'm very excited and how was your thanksgiving it was good it was good it was uh very relaxing just uh my husband myself and my father-in-law uh so you know made some food and then we played a bunch of board games and it was good fantastic i had a fine thanksgiving we had family over uh we actually did it on saturday which I think we might do more often because instead of 
piling all the pressure of cleaning and, and cooking and all that into a half day after work and then, or pretty much after work, and then that morning, you do it on Thursday, you do it on Friday, then you have a nice relaxing day on Saturday and you have Sunday to recover. I think that works. Uh, I like, I'm glad they keep it on Thursday because that way we have that four day weekend, although I'm a contractor. So I, I don't like getting the time off because they don't pay you when you're a contractor on days off. So I actually managed to get myself to work because uh, I work with folks overseas. So I managed to uh, finagle myself some extra hours by working with them, which I was happy about. And actually, those are the days that are most productive because you're not being pulled into all kinds of meetings and, and everything. You can have um, focus on the things you're trying to do. Um, outside of that, I've been working on, I think I mentioned this last week, but myself and pilot, uh, we are going to be, uh, starting up a new podcast called the rumble report. And that is going to be based on the Warcraft rumble, uh, mobile game. So we will talk about that soon. I'm hoping that we have something out in the next week or so. I'll let you know next week if that happens or if it doesn't happen, it's why it doesn't happen. Well, I'm very excited about that. Um, it's probably going to be a little shorter than the bread and butter, but uh, oh, poor Dawn got hit again. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, the the dog has found lethal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> but anyway, um, so today our first topic is there are some nerfs coming. We don't know what they are yet. We got the preview, the little circles with the green arrows and and the red circles with the down arrows. We're not going to go through all of them. Not that there's much. There's a couple changes. There's a change to Azerite Snake. There's a change to Nathanos of all cards. And there are nerfs coming to Sharpshooter, which no surprise. There's nerfs coming to um, the Azerite Snake, which we knew because the change they made was only temporary. And then there's change to Order in the Court, which I am already uh, rallying against. I think Order in the Court did nothing wrong, and they should leave it alone. It's a good, good boy. Um, but given the fact that the meta is probably going to change, D- uh, Demon Hunter probably be... And not that Demon Hunter, I felt, was overly oppressive, because a lot of people don't know how to play that deck, and it was fairly easy to overcome when they make a mistake. It, it could be kind of frustrating when, you know, they go off and you can't do anything, and they eventually kill you on one turn because they just cycle through everything on turn five. But for the most part, it didn't really feel that bad. Oh, they were also um, nerfing always a bigger uh, your monster, uh, Jägermeister, whatever they say, however you say it. <laughs> your monger. <laughs> your monger. Um, I always just call it Jägermeister because it's easier. Um, but they're nerfing that as well. So we'll see what that is. But given that these nerfs are coming, what's something good to play? Now that we have these nerfs, because you've probably been playing maybe one of those decks. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what I've been playing, because that way I can speak to it. And that's Reno Shaman. Reno Shaman has been a lot of fun. Uh, initial thoughts on the, the, what is it called? The Staff of the Nine Frogs. People weren't thinking it was going to be very powerful, but I have news. It is a very good card. You get out there, those frogs keep getting bigger and bigger. And it can it can lead to some inevitability. So the list there there are many different lists out there. I don't think you have to pick any particular one. You can look at all the different options. Some of them uh, are a little bit more focused on things like Ignis. Some of them are focused on some some uh, nature spells. 
But I, I, I like the kind of mid-rangey one that I've been playing, and that has a lot of good cards. Let me just pull that up real fast. So the list I'm playing, why does it not want to pull up? Okay, here we go. The list I'm playing has um, cards like Cold Storage, Flow Rider. Uh, you usually have a schooling and a shock harper. Uh, Astellar is always a good uh, potential win condition to have. Uh, obviously, we're running Doc Holiday and Reno, and um, you, we also have Prison of Yog and Yog, which are our two very strong cards in there. Giant Tumbleweed, Horn of the Windlord, and Golganesh. So there's there's a lot of threats in there. <coughs> Excuse me. So it, it's 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 a very solid deck. Now sometimes. Reno decks can be a little intimidating if you don't know what you're doing because it's a pile of cards. What what do I do with it? So uh, first, let's talk about the mulligan. With the list I'm using, and I, I can post this on, on the Twitter, uh, you want to try to keep cards like Schooling because they're good to kind of stabilize early. A Shock Harper will get you some value. Uh, greedy Partner is a good card. We run Greedy Partner, but I usually only keep Greedy Partner. I, I sometimes It depends. I keep greedy. Uh, I keep greedy partner, but I also will keep a, another two drop, even if it's not an ideal two drop to keep, because that way I can get the value out of the greedy partner, and and we should be able to continue on from there. Um, you want to keep Doc Holiday for sure. That is an absolute keep, and and you can think about keeping Golgoneth. That's kind of about where you want to go. Um, when you start playing these cards, uh, especially if you want to tempo out, you want to get Doc Holiday out there early if you can coin them out. The, the quicker you get your staff online and start swinging with it, the better. Um, you want to be paying attention, though, because you can overload before you get to that turn, and then you then you, you can't do it. So be mindful of your plays so that way you don't lock yourself out of playing these cards as quickly as possible. Um you can play this deck a couple different ways. You can play it, and it depends on the matchup, right? It's always um, different depending on what you're playing. And I think if, if you've listened to Zacho talk about this before, you can be an aggro deck, and sometimes in some matchups you're actually the, the, the control deck in that particular matchup. You're aggro, but you play it as more control as you, you are deciding to clear their board and waiting for your opportunity to strike. And then in some cases... Even if you're maybe like a mid-range deck, you might want to be more aggressive and try to get under them before they get to their slow, controlly cards. So in this this deck, and it's funny, uh, uh, my friend Pilot, who I'm doing the podcast with, who's a mod on my channel, says told me initially that, hey, you really play this as a uh, aggro, not really an aggro, but as a tempo deck, and you will uh, see that quite often. And Almost every game I've played after he said that has been about 25 minute long. Uh, <laughs> but it's in the mirror and, and the mirrors get weird. Um, so, but you can't play as a tempo deck. So if you're looking at something like a control priest or even in the mirror or something, you can play Astellar out on, uh, you play Astellar out on two, followed up with a jam session and just play out your commanded Neptalons, even if they don't have anything on board to clear, and just put pressure on and try to make them react to what you're doing and and, and dictate the pace. Some matchups, you don't want to do that, but you have the opportunity to do that. You can win in five or six turns if you are aggressive enough and the, the matchup calls for it. Uh, one thing to remember is 
as great as the staff of the nine frogs is, it will get vipered because I don't know any decks right now that aren't running Viper. It feels like Viper is just about everywhere, and um, it will get Viper. Now, one thing you wor- work around this is if you happen to have uh, uh, cold storage, you can play that on your own uh, Doc Holiday. And that way, when they Viper it, you just drop it down, you have another uh, Staff of the Nine Frogs. And if you start a new Staff of the Nine Frogs, remember that your frog count goes back to one. It doesn't continue off from your last frog. So if you start a new one, you're back down to one, but it's still good. Uh, We run an ETC in this deck, and what you put in the ETC will vary based on what you're seeing in the meta. Currently, I'm running a Fizzle, uh, which is a great tool in the control matchups, especially the mirror matchup. Uh, It gives you some good value. You don't want to... You don't want to overfill it because then it's hard to play later, but if you can get your Yogs, you can get your Prison of Yogs, you can get your Golganesh, you can get even Doc Holiday into that. Um, that's good. You can get more value out of that. So you want to be looking at that. We also are running a second Viper because once you've destroyed their frog, Staff of the Nine Frogs, they often have a follow-up. And same thing with Sha- uh, Paladin. They also have the Horn of the Windlord. So having a second Viper pull out isn't the worst thing, or especially if they're playing an Ignis later. Scoring's good to have that. So you can throw in whatever you want for a while. We were running a second Framester. Framester we're running, which is a card that nobody thought we would ever run because it is not a great card. And it still isn't a great card, but it has a use now. And that use is to disrupt Reno. Now, you can use this card in a couple different ways. You can tempo it out on three and put a couple it's actually not so bad when their turn four five and six possibly get disrupted by being overloaded or you can keep it in your back pocket and save it for turns when you know they're about to reno and then they can't reno and i can tell you um i have had people concede more than once out of shame for not remembering that they have no ability to play the reno at that time because uh they they play it nothing happens and they can see. So it's a very strong card. For a while, I was running a second Framester in the uh, ETC, but that might be overkill. Uh, you can get a feel for the matchups that you're seeing. Uh, if you are not if you are not playing a Reno against a Reno deck, drop it right away. If not, you can also run things like Steam Cleaner if you want to for the Plague uh, D, uh, Plague uh, DK, but. <sighs> You don't see enough of them, I think, to justify that at this point. But if you do happen to see a rise in that after the uh, change in the meta, after these nerfs, um, it might be worth putting back in. You also, in general, with control decks like this, or decks that have control tools, a lot of times you try to save your control for the perfect moment. Don't. You have enough things to do where you can clear. You have giant tumbleweed. You have... One of the Windlord that can clear big threats. You have Reno, obviously. Uh, don't hold on to it for the sake of holding on to it unless you are sure that it's the right play. Like, temple these things out. Get them out there. Reno gives you that extra value. Giant Tumbleweed gives you uh, a, a big swing turn where you're clearing their board most of the time and leaving yourself a 6-6. Make sure you just play your cards. It, as far as the end game goes... It doesn't really feel like there's a solid always endgame. Sometimes it's Astellar. Uh, sometimes it's just having bigger and bigger frogs. 
Sometimes it comes down to just hoping off prison of Yogg. Sometimes it's grinding them down until they run out of resources. Uh, you don't want to hoard, hoard everything. You can actually have hand size issues with this deck because you have a lot of tools that sometimes you're just waiting for things to play, but um, I don't recommend that. Uh, you can win. Just play. It's a lot easier to have a victory when your opponent has no life. So that's what we're shooting for and saving your cards for when something else might happen and make them have the cards. Like you might hold on to something because they're going to have their, I don't know, their behemoth. They might not have the behemoth. So get it out there, play cards and, and go from there. It's a fun deck. It's, it's different every time. There's a lot of different crazy, wacky things that can happen. Uh, you can have multiple titans out there with a randomly generated, uh, what's it called? What's that called? Uh, criminal lineup. You can get uh, also multiple uh, Ragnaroses, depending. It just, you generate things that could happen. Um, I've been told that the Ignis version isn't bad. It's a lot of fun, so I might try that. But just have a lot of fun with the deck. And I think it's going to see even more success once these other decks get um, nerfed. Especially Paladin is not a good matchup for us. So if Paladin becomes played a little less often, uh, this deck is going to rise. What do you think, Don? What are your thoughts on this deck? Yeah, one big thing that I really like about this deck, which is kind of reminiscent of the older uh, Highlander Hunter, is and, and one reason why I think that this uh, Highlander, this Reno deck is doing so well versus or compared to some of the other Reno decks, is that this Reno Shaman has just lots of good stuff right? Like a lot of the cards in the deck are just good on their own, right? They were already being played before Reno came into standard. Um, you know, things like Ignis, as you mentioned in some of the lists, is very good. Uh, obviously, things that are kind of newer, like the Tumbleweed, also just good on its own. Um, you know, the Staff to give you frogs, definitely good. Uh there's just a lot of really good stuff. I think even, you know, as you mentioned, you kind of said like tempo stuff out, play stuff. Posic, very good card to just play on turn four. Uh, the backstage bouncer, also another four cost that's very good to just, those things can come out at like any point, right? You can coin them out on turn, on turn three. You can play them on turn four or five or six, seven maybe. And they're all very good. They work especially well in that kind of mid-game if you are overloaded a little bit, you know? So maybe you overload on one turn, then you can kind of play those as just really solid plays uh, during that mid-game while you're overloaded. Um, or if you haven't drawn things like your Highlander-specific cards like Reno, or if you haven't drawn Doc Holiday, you know, when you're waiting for those, just play those good things. And there's a lot of them in the deck. And that's one thing that I've really loved uh, about it. So that even if you don't get those Highlander cards, it still feels like you have things to do. Um, I know you mentioned a couple of these things, but things like Jam Session and Trusty Companion have been some of my favorites. Uh, yeah, just going Jam Session, especially against Paladin. Like Jam Session versus Paladins is pretty great. Um, versus hunters who have played out their, you know, like worms or have the the snakes on board. Um, and trusty companion, even just to get a buff on something and draw another thing out of your deck. 
Um, and you can kind of cater it a little bit. You can wait to play it and play it on something specific if you know, you know that you're going to get a certain type, a certain minion type, um, if it has one. So that's pretty flexible. Like even playing that on a shock hopper pretty early, right? Like a turn one shock hopper, turn two trusty companion is pretty sweet. So there's a lot that you can do kind of early game and mid game. And, um, you know, I've even noticed that some of the time I'm able to get kind of mid game wins, uh, without even having drawn Reno or Dr. Holiday. Uh, like one game I was able to pull off a win with horn of the wind Lord and then playing the, um, oh gosh, you and I just talked about this. The, <laughs> turn the tides that's what it was turn the, the tides, turn the tides uh, to add more attack and then I could just hit my opponent for like 12 damage just with my weapon plus whatever I had on the board um, yeah being able to discover some stuff discovering fire spells and turning something into a Ragnaros uh, that helps like I've I've done that hey turn one of those you have one of those little frogs out on the board right the hopper hey turn that into a, a Ragnaros or turn one of your Maybe you had two hero power or something because you were overloaded and didn't really have anything else to play, which doesn't feel like it happens often, but maybe you did that for some reason and turn your totem into a, you know, into a Ragnaros. But it, it does feel like I've been able to have a lot of games where even against the aggro decks, I can make a lot of like value trades or you make a trade and then you transform whatever you just traded with the backstage bouncer Right. Or, you know, you, then you turn like you make a trade and then you turn that thing that now you traded. And now it's only got one or two health. And then you turn that into Ragnaros. And it, there's a lot of things like that that you can do that make all of the games feel pretty good, um, which, again, this this is something that I don't think some of the other like Highlander Druid Highlander Druids kind of wonky. I don't think it has as many of the kind of um, full game spectrum good plays as this deck does, we'll say. Like, yeah, there are some good plays and some good cards in Highlander Druid, but I think this um, Shaman has good plays that are early game, good plays that are mid game, and good plays that are late game and any kind of combination of. So... I have really enjoyed this deck myself. And as you mentioned, there are a couple different versions, you know, some running Ignis where you can run a little bit of forging stuff and then have Ignis for like an additional win condition. Um, the versions without Ignis, there's a lot of kind of just play stuff and buff things and transform things. And it, it does a lot without looking like it's doing that much at the same time, if that makes sense. It does. And just a couple of quick notes on the deck. Uh, finally, if you are planning on using your cold storage on a Titan, your Titan or somebody else's Titan, just remember that using a Titan means that they can't use an ability next turn. If they're frozen, they can't use an ability. So that that's something that can buy you a turn and also get you a Titan. And one other thing, this, the nice thing about Highlander decks is they're a lot less a perfect 30 cards as some of the other lists, like the the Agro Paladins, kind of you can get to a, a perfect 30 or 29, and you don't really want to deviate from that. But in a list like this, if you want to try some cards out, you want to switch some things out, you have a lot more, I would say, leeway to do that in a deck like this. Like the other day, 
I was wondering why there was no uh, chisel in this deck because we are playing backstage bouncer and that just feels like a natural combination. And it's not in the list I have, but maybe I'll add it. Like you have opportunity to just, I want to, I, I, I like playing with these cards or this card's not doing something for me. Maybe I'll swap it out. And it feels, it feels like you have a lot more flexibility there. Yeah. And, and some of the lists are running chisel and some of that more early game, uh, mid-game stuff, you know, like you said, there's a lot of flexibility, things like chisel or no chisel, um, you know, running Ignis things. Uh, again, as you mentioned earlier as well, with things like chisel, with things like uh, the horn, with things like, obviously, Dr. Holiday, there's multiple weapons that you can be playing as well. That also means if your opponent, especially if they are a Highlander deck as well, uh, they're only going to have one, maybe, maybe two Vipers. But oftentimes you can end up having more than that. So if, you know, if they do Viper something, you're still going to get value from your other weapons. Um, you know, again, like single good cards like Astalor. Um, I've had even like Glacial Shards be just really good in a lot of matchups. You know, very good against like, uh, Odin warrior because you can freeze the warrior themselves not just minions so you know you can freeze them uh, there's just so much flexibility with the deck that uh, if this is something you want to try I would definitely suggest um, try a handful of games with one list and then try a handful of games with a different list or like you mentioned Tito maybe switch a couple things out but it's so flexible indeed well that's it for the shaman. Uh, I think it's now time to hit our main topic, which is one of our fundamental blocks that we bring Dawn on for to talk about. And today we're going to kind of do something a little different. We've been here 50 episodes. We've had several of these basics kind of conversations. And today we're going to kind of review a little bit of everything. We're going to go back to basics and just kind of get us caught back up for the new year and the new expansion and go from there. So Don, why don't you take it away? Yes. Well, just, you know, as always, thank you for having me back for this. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, so for anyone who maybe hasn't gotten to catch every episode, or if you're kind of wondering, okay, well, like what are the basics? Uh, let's just quickly kind of recap the different topics that we have talked about. So, uh, in one of the very early episodes, we talked about the phases of your turn or kind of lack of phases as Hearthstone kind of has just, it's your turn and then you do all the things and then your turn's over. Um, resources are a very basic concept uh, to Hearthstone and there's several different resources that you can use. Uh, so for example, you have, you know, your health is a resource, your cards are a resource, your mana is a resource. Um, there's different archetypes to play. We were just talking a lot about tempo, how this like Reno Shaman is a very tempo kind of deck. You can play at tempo. Um, that's one kind of style of deck or archetype. Uh, so kind of understanding what people kind of mean when they talk about different archetypes. If they say something like an aggro deck, mid-range, tempo, control, OTK, um, just kind of understanding what those archetypes are or generally generally at least what they can do um mulligans we did kind of talk about mulligans and kind of understanding at least the basics of the mulligans and mulligan kind of 
thinking and the process of how decks want to mulligan. Uh, we talked about learning a deck in general, like just how do you approach actually learning decks and some different styles of learning decks and getting better at them. And we talked about tilt and emotions and kind of the, the range of different types of tilt that there are that, that can affect people when they are playing and especially when they want to improve. Um, I hope I didn't miss any there because maybe there, there was another one that we possibly might have talked about or not. I, I feel like that's it hopefully, but, um, I think you got just, okay, cool. Um, I feel like not only do we kind of just want to go back and like recap those a little bit, but I also just want to talk about the importance and the use of these, like we say basics, but like kind of these fundamentals Um, and not only for Hearthstone, because these also transcend a lot of other card games, but for Hearthstone, especially um, knowing and really utilizing these these fundamentals and these concepts you can use in so many different cases. Uh, And one example, I guess I'll I'll preface this with saying uh, there's a lot of kind of phrases, a lot of different ways that people say this, this thing in uh, a variety of aspects, not even just card games, not just Hearthstone, but I'll put a few out there. Have you ever heard the phrase, you need to learn to walk before you can run? Like that's a big one, (laughs) right? Uh, The, you know, have you ever uh, heard people talking about like learning to drive and how, you know, that can kind of, uh, there's a lot to learn with with driving. Or once you know the basics, you can kind of jump into any different type of vehicle. You can drive like a small vehicle or you can p- get into a pickup truck and, and they all kind of work the same as long as you know the fundamentals of how to work the pedals, how to, you know, maybe switch gears if you need to or park versus drive, reverse. It's all the same, but you can switch into different vehicles, right? Um in terms of like card games and and gaming, especially with Hearthstone, have you ever heard a streamer or maybe you've said, because I know I've said this myself, uh, things like, oh, it's, you know, insert name, Bunny Hopper, or it's Kibler, or it's whoever, right? Maybe people who are like really good at off meta decks, it's Funky Monkey, or it's, uh, you know, Boar Control before he joined uh, Hearthstone, the Hearthstone team, right? You say, say one of those like really top level players, right? Oh, it's it. they can play any deck. They could play something that's like, doesn't even have a legendary in it and they could still get legend with it, right? But I can't. <laughs> and you know why that is? Now, maybe I can do a little bit better than the average person or maybe someone who's listening is like, I can't do that. I suck with these decks. Like I have to play meta decks or I have to have these good cards. Maybe you've heard people talk about arena. I will tell you, sometimes I struggle with arena. Now arena has its own thing of like, you, you kind of have to have a good sense of uh, picking what cards are going to be good and that kind of thing. But when you're in the game, actually playing, knowing these fundamentals, knowing what tempo means and understanding tempo, understanding concepts like value trading or understanding I'm the aggressor in this matchup. Tito just brought that up in in the previous chat, right? 
understanding those types of concepts, understanding these kind of base fundamentals of, hey, if I don't play my cards, my opponent will just keep hitting me in the face and I will be dead. That's that's a basic thing that is one of those fundamentals. But when you're playing, especially when you're starting to learn, that can be tough to actually conceptualize and actually understand. But those people who you say, oh, so-and-so can just take any deck and they can hit legend with it, or they can be top legend with some wonky, like all neutral deck or, you know, all, all uh, commons, they can take any of those decks and, and be really good with it. And it's because that they are very, very good at utilizing these fundamentals, these basic concepts and applying them to a bunch of different scenarios. It's the same with arena. Those people are very good at learning arena and then going and playing standard and being able to do well in standard because they have those basic concepts that they apply with whatever it is that they're they're playing. And they also understand though, like there there is a difference between arena and standard in the way that you approach the game because the amount of removal might be different. The uh the synergies might be different. So you play a more uh I would say almost a more fundamental game in arena than you possibly do in in constructed because it's just it makes more sense given the sheer amount of unknown you have in arena versus uh standard. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe a little bit less now than when maybe the first like three or four years that Hearthstone was around. But if you listen to a lot of advice, especially uh, from players who have been around for a long time, uh, you know, a lot of those players might say, oh, if you want to get better, you know, you really want to get better at the game in general, uh, go play arena. Right. And it, they're not saying that because it's exactly the same across the board, as you just mentioned. It's because, like you said, there's you're using those fundamentals and you're using those skills at a much higher capacity in things like arena. So you learn those skills, you learn the trading and value, and you learn to just play your cards at a much faster rate than I think a a lot of standard. And again, maybe not as much now, but this was definitely the case, you know, a, a handful of years ago in the game. I don't know if you have felt that same way or not, you know, but I definitely feel like I have. I need to go back and I, I don't think I've ever had more than seven wins in an arena uh, matchup. So, um, but I also don't play it a lot. So I need to go in there and just kind of prove that to myself that I can do it. We're actually probably going to have a judge back on in the next few weeks. Um, talk about the new changes to uh, the, the format. So yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. We're, we're going to have, I think, a way, we're going to do a draft and we're going to su- suggest which cards we would pick and he's going to tell us why we're wrong. So looking forward to that. But yeah, but yeah, it's been a while since I've really played too much arena, so Sounds fun. Uh, I need to get in there. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's it's just kind of an interesting thing where I think, you know, again, one reason why, especially in the past, but even still now, you know, you might hear people who will suggest if you want to get better at the game, go play arena. And, you know, sometimes I think, well, I, you don't have to, though. You can just play meta decks and you can learn the meta decks and, and that kind of thing if you're wanting to play standard. But that is 
Um, just because, again, the way that you're using these fundamentals, you're using these skills in arena and you can kind of use them in a lot of scenarios. Same way that the people who you say, oh, I can I can see you know, Bunny Hopper or I can see Fino or Kibler or whoever, they can just take any deck and they can hit Legend or they can hit Higher Legend no matter what they're playing. Uh, you know, maybe people like uh, Sadisi or Ron Mexico who play a lot of Hunter and they kind of specialize in that. They can play random Hunter decks and they seem to still be like, you know, high legend or, or higher legend. It's like, how do they do that? Well, again, it's because they have really kind of got a very good hold on these fundamentals and those kind of concepts. So, you know, all of this, again, just to kind of say that I really just want to drive home that idea that these fundamentals and these skills they seem basic. They seem like, oh, I can just learn them and then move on from them. But the better you get at them and recognizing these concepts in multiple scenarios, the better of a player you will be in any situation. I completely agree with that. 100%. And, and a lot of, so yeah, a lot of times you overvalue things and you don't play your cards and it's just remembering these these lessons really just can help you. Sometimes you start mulliganing for feels. You'll look at your mulligan. You're like, I, I, th- I think I'll be able to play this card. But no, mulligan for your best cards. Like, you got to remember just why, what got you here. You, the, the, the expression, you go to the girl you went to the dance with. How did you get there? You got there uh, by maintaining the fundamentals. So stick with them. And, and the more you hammer them home, the more... They just become part of your thought process and they don't become things you even have to think about. You just remember and, and operate on those building blocks. Exactly. And that's also a big thing to know. Um, I, and I'm, again, I've done quite a few of these. I'm pretty sure that in one of those previous episodes, uh, we kind of dug a little bit into the idea, my kind of, idea of like these circles right these kind of uh maybe tiers of level these these circles that you get into um at the beginning you're kind of in this like beginner level circle right and then as you move up in like the ladder um you start to have this kind of progression of where you feel like i'm not very good at this game and then as you get better you're like okay i'm getting better and then you think man i'm better than these players that i'm facing now and then maybe you hit a new a new wall, a new level, a new, you know, rank floor or a new just rank overall. Right. Maybe it's like you get into diamond for the first time, let's say, and you're like, oh yeah, like I finally got into diamond. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm losing a bunch. What happened? You know, or or maybe the first time you hit legend, you're like, now I'm facing players that seem to be way better than me. And we kind of hit these walls and we go, oh man, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. Oh, maybe I, you know, maybe it was a fluke that I got there. Maybe I just got lucky. Uh, But these kind of scenarios are where we need to kind of, again, return to these basics. Like you said, think about what it is that got you to hitting legend in the first place. What were you doing to get there? You know, were you really like taking notes on your, your um, games? Were you looking at stats and looking at like, these are the best cards that I need to mulligan. 
as like one of the basic topics that we talked about, or I really need to get into a better headspace about kind of these archetypes and recognizing, am I the aggressive deck in this matchup? Or do I need to reserve my cards a little bit? Maybe I need to play like one card and do a hero power every turn instead of just playing all my cards and then like having nothing in my hand. You know, when do you need to do those things? Um, Those are the things that we get better at over time, but they all boil down to these basic concepts. Uh, So again, like mulligans, looking at those archetypes, understanding your resources. Man, I got so much better at rogue when I understood, especially early, early rogue, like before we had uh, a lot of these like miracle rogues and playing like 30 cards in a turn. Uh, But I was like, I did not understand for a while this hero power. Why do you get a weapon? Why are people hitting into their opponent's minions with their weapon, with the hero power, with their face? That's so bad. You're losing health. But no, because they're using their health as a resource to remove those minions and actually end up taking less damage in the long run. Right? There's even in like big tournaments, even at world championships, you and, and I've noticed this with casting, sometimes in those matchups, maybe you've seen some of these pro players where it's like, oh man, they just took a weapon and they just traded their face into their opponent's Ragnaros or their opponent's 12-12. And you're like, why did they just take 12 damage? That seems so bad. But because they're, again, they're kind of going back to this basic of, I need to take this damage once and get rid of this minion right now rather than let it hit me two or three or even four times and then I'm dead. So they understand my health is a resource that I need to use. Um, Same with cards. You know, sometimes you need to play in a way where you're potentially drawing more cards. Or maybe you need to play in slower ways where you're, again, only playing like one or two cards and then you're filling in the rest of your turn with like a hero power or something like that. Uh, You know, maybe you're you're reserving. Um, Here's a good example. You know, aggro decks and like OTK style decks generally have a lot of card draw, right? Because they want to get to their certain cards. They want to play a lot of cards in one turn. Uh, So they have a lot of card draw. They rely on that card draw resource. They rely on the resource of those cards to get their big plays, to do their things. But let's say in a control matchup, then you see... People who will say, like, uh, Wicked Good is very good at this. He'll say, I can't even play this card that draws me one card. I cannot play it in this mirror match. Because if I draw an extra card, I will be ahead in fatigue and I will lose the game. Right? So he's almost going the opposite route. I can't draw cards. Because in that situation, drawing cards actually is very bad. So in that case, it's a don't use my cards, don't draw more cards. We're not using cards as a resource necessarily. That's more like the slower pace. We're using cards for maybe multiple value or we're using hero powers or discovers or something like that for the the card resource instead of cards from the deck. Uh, So again, these are examples. I'm trying to give as many examples as I can think of, of kind of how there's different cases for Yes, maybe in that situation, 
it's, oh, I have to remove this big minion off the board. Or in that mirror match, it's don't draw extra cards. But if you really peel it back, it's kind of like that, like when kids ask, you know, something's happening and then they go, why? And then you try to answer that question, right? And then they, you answer it and then they go, why? And you answer that question, right? Like it's like peeling back layers, right? Until you really get to the root cause, the root thing, which is these basics, these basic skills, these basics, basic understanding of what it is you're actually doing or going for with your plays or your decisions in the games. I think a good example would be, and I, I know I'm sure our listeners are tired of hearing me talk about the Paladin that I've been playing for the last couple months, but I was playing and I thought I was playing pretty well. And I had uh, a couple different times I had World A or uh, Donkey in the chat while I was playing. And they were saying, I don't like that play. Why didn't you play Four Kelth Loss on turn two? Like you're holding on to that too often. And in my mentality is that that's a card you play when you have a weapon to increase it, especially with the Wind Fury. So you get two hits on it. That's four extra damage. But you know what? If you don't get to the turn when you have to play your uh, Bane of the Wind Lord, then that's better because they're dead. So if you play on turn one, you play a Divine Shield minion. Turn two, you play Four Kelp Loss. You just hit them for five, seven damage. They still have to clear it. They might have to clear it with their face. And not only that, you have also reduced the cost of your uh, Garden Graces by two already. So by think by sometimes holding on to those resources, you're doing yourself a disservice. And there's other times where, you know, you want to hold on to them because you know you'll need them later. But uh, j- just learning to understand when and when not to is huge. And that makes a big difference. Well, I don't know about you, Dawn. That was a lot yeah. of information. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes. It's basic, but it's a lot at the same time. So I'm a little full. Like I said, we just talked about a lot, but I think there's always room for a little dessert. But we've already talked to you about dessert. So what I want to know is what's your favorite Thanksgiving Day food? Such a good question. Um, I feel like it's a tie depending on how good they are. I really like mashed potatoes. But sometimes if they're not very flavorful, you know, they're kind of bland or something. It's like, eh, maybe they're not that great. Maybe, sometimes they end up dry. You know, you're like, eh, maybe. But I am a huge fan of like homemade cranberries and like cranberry sauce where pretty much you, the way that I make it, it's like a mix between cranberry sauce and cranberries. Like you kind of boil them down so they, you know, they start popping and it kind of turns into a cranberry sauce, but you still have like some that are almost whole cranberries. That that's my favorite. Uh, I cannot do the whole cranberry thing that, that, that give give me the, the gelled cranberry sauce in, in the can. It, it's got that can shape. When you pull it out, you cut a slice off of it. Um, that's the way that's the way to go but i i respect your opinion even if it might be wrong um <laughs> just kidding uh what i do need to know though is how were just the guy's meatballs they i thought they were freaking delicious i loved them i ate so many and i was like these are so good okay so ridiculous hat the only one that didn't like the meatballs you know, okay. I I feel like I got to stand up for Hat a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. you, he, you. Did, he did. <laughs> he did like the meatballs. 
He had already eaten some stuff. We were <laughs> already waiting on other food because just a guy like made meatballs, did all this stuff, had snacks, and then ordered a huge meal for everybody as well. <laughs> so Hat and Hat was exhausted because Hat had been running to like all these different places. He had just been like, go, 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 just like Hat is. And then he sat down. Like, I actually, I, I don't know if Just a Guy, maybe Just a Guy didn't even know this. I actually offered, after I got some food, I offered Hat. I was like, do you want me to, like, get you some stuff on a plate and come bring it to you? Because Hat, like, did not even want to get up from the chair. He was like, this is the first time I've sat, like, basically, like, since he had gotten off the plane from <laughs> from new york to anaheim so i was like i will get you a plate of food like you can sit here and just like chill and like i will bring you up you know and of course hat was was so humble and like no 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 i'm fine i'm fine but i'm like okay but like i i know and i understand like how you run around and just a guy being just a guy and being very kind offering meatballs and stuff but also being a complete smart <laughs> gave Hat a single meatball because Hat was like, yeah, I'll have I'll have a little bit. <laughs> so just a guy like literally gave him one. Nice. So of course Hat just ate a single meatball. <laughs> because and, and, that's what just a guy gave him. And Hat didn't actually say he didn't like the meatballs. And even just the guy didn't say no. that. We just kind of, we took no. something out of context and ran with it. It was a lot of fun. It's like a running joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, listener, if you have iTunes, pop it open, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it because not many people have iTunes anymore. And that's really the only place I think you can leave reviews. I tried to find one on Spotify. You can leave a stars. So if you want to give us five stars to help us, find people that'd be wonderful but if you want to leave us a review that we will read on the show pop open that itunes fill out something quick and we will read it right here uh we've just hit 50 episodes this is 51 we're not going anywhere we're still here so hopefully we will continue to fill your ear holes with great information about becoming better hearthstone players i know i have i i know just doing the show and listening to our guests i have improved greatly over the past year and i feel i'm a much better hearthstone player with still a lot of room to grow but i don't think i would have been nearly as good as i am without going through this every week and listening to our guests and and talking about just talking about the game it has been uh, amazing uh dragon rider where can people find you on social media yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Donnie DK. That's D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. Uh, you can find me on both Twitch and YouTube at Dragon Rider TCCG. And uh, on the two podcasts that I do, uh, generally each week, uh, one of them has been a little bit more sporadic with my health and stuff. But uh, you can find me talking all about uh, Hearthstone and specifically Standard Hearthstone at the Doctor Three HS podcast, and you can also find me uh, talking with Ron Mexico uh, about kind of more of these like card game concepts, how you can use a lot of these these same concepts that we talked about in this episode uh, to get better and learn multiple card games and kind of how these things differ across card games um, and. A whole bunch of different card game news and tournament info. 
uh, over at the TCCG Roundtable podcast. And uh, that is that is one that I know you stream live. I don't think you always stream Doctor Three live, do you? Or yeah, that that's correct. We have done some live Doctor Threes, but we typically uh, just do audio for that one. Um, but the TCCG Roundtable is uh, definitely we do live. And now that uh, you know Twitch has actually said, oh yeah, you can do like the the multi streaming. Uh, we are back to streaming that both on my Twitch and YouTube uh, simultaneously when we do stream that. So, mm, Fantastic. And you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at TitoSantanaHS. You got any shout outs this week, Don? Um, yeah, you know, I would like to shout out uh, a couple of people here. I'm going to shout out the whole AFG crew uh, just because, you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff. We're getting ready for next year. And I just absolutely love that team. They are just an incredible group of people who are awesome at the things that they do. Uh, and so shout out to them. And, you know, shout out to uh, you and Doc as well. Because, again, you've decided that I am worth bringing on not once, not twice, but multiple times and <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, but also, I love talking about these kind of like these tr- uh transcending kind of concepts and these things that you can use and build upon. Uh, I, I really have loved this, this whole thing that we're doing and, and talking about these things. And it's inspired a lot of what uh, is going to be coming on my, my channels and with my content, honestly. So thank you to you guys for, for that and for, for doing the show because you know, they're, are a lot of podcasts and a lot of resources for people who are kind of already at that like higher level of play, but there's maybe not as much for people who are trying to learn and trying to get better. Uh, that's more geared towards them. So shout out to you guys for, for doing this. No, we appreciate that. And uh, I'll look forward to my cut of the profits for uh, whatever we inspired. Uh, I would like to shout out uh CDC who gave me a very nice read yesterday while I was streaming. He's always very generous and, Lots lot like him, Wicked Good, always seem to throw a raid my way. Um, and i like to shout out Doc, who wasn't here today. I hope everything's going okay. And thank you for being my partner for 50-some-odd episodes and looking forward to the next 50. But I think that's it for us. I think we're toast. We'll see you later. Slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic. It's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light.